This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport fan network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top tier lineup of food right to your door. What will you choose? No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Real EFL podcast. This is the 12th one that we've done. It's the first one where you haven't heard the dulcet tones of Liam or Hannah. I have been known on that podcast as producer Gary. This evening, I'm going to be known as presenter Gary. Now, we've just had a very awkward moment where we play the theme tune and we're all looking into the camera thinking, when is this going to end? Um, So we're a new group. We're hoping to put together a League One podcast for you on a weekly basis. So tonight I am joined by two... We'll call them League One experts. Um, so first of all, we've got Johnny Hunt, who I'm sure would prefer not to be a League One expert, as he's a Reading fan, but things are what they are. Uh, good evening, Johnny. Hi, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, mate. Very excited about this. Absolutely. Uh, and we've also, sorry, Johnny, and we've also got Matt Isles. Now, Matt is a Bristol Rovers fan, so he's as accustomed to League One as we are. <laughs> how are you doing, Matt? Yeah, I'm really, really good. Thanks. Thanks for having me on and uh, great to be part of this project. Hope you're well. No worries. Well, thank you both for joining us. Um, so basically what we want to do, that the, the first 11 episodes of the podcast have been great. Liam and Hannah are superb, but they're very League Two centric. Um, so we want to put together something for you League, League One fans. So we want to talk about um, the games. We want to talk about the transfer rumours. We want to talk about the teams. It's very much a pilot episode in terms of League One. Uh, But we've picked some big news stories of the week uh, and we're just going to have a chat through them. And they're going to kind of lead on to one or two of the teams that we've got um, probably likely to be fighting at the top end of League One, which is something that Hannah and Liam, Bradford and Stockport fans, wouldn't have a clue about at the top end of League One. Um, So, first of all, um, we've been looking at... Uh, Tony Weston. Now, Tony Weston has apparently agreed to sign for Derby County after the rain, his Rangers exit. So Tony Weston, young striker. Uh, I think he was a, a Liverpool youth. He was at Blackpool as well. I think he's only 19 years old. Free agent after his contract at Ibrox expired at the end of June. Um, so he, I think he's been there two or three years. I remember him moving from Blackpool. He was one of the players, I think, that moved in the COVID summer 
which gave Blackpool the money to spend, which ultimately allowed them to knock my team, Lincoln City, um, out of the playoff final, um, winning 2-1. So, first of all, um, I'm going to come over to you, Johnny, because you, you've probably got a little bit of experience of Derby um, from the past in the Championship. What does this signing look like to you? Or how does it fit for Derby, do you think? I was just looking at, like, you know, they, you know, obviously we were the, the deduction point experts the season before. They had 21, <laughs> we had six. Um, but, you know, they're a big club. And League One last season, you're thinking they should probably go up again on the players that they brought in. Connor Herhan um, didn't happen. But <laughs> League One, Championship League Two, it's just not that easy, is it? Teams just don't go straight up because of their name. Um, you have to do different and, you know, finding someone like that. I see, you know, I was going through their team today and, you know, they've got moved a few players on. They've brought a few experienced players in and promising players in. You have to do your, your homework in this league and you have to go out there and find someone that works for your club. And I think young talent that has got a point to prove is the way forward for Derby and any club. Now, you know, you can't rely on the 35, 36-year-old players that have been there and done it, maybe ex-Premier League Championship. You know, so something like that, I think for them, if they've got a plan, if they've got a structure, if they've got um, a way of getting out of this league, you know, and I think you can't, coming from a Reading Fang, I know it's harsh because <laughs> we, we're not in a position to pick who we want. It's just a case of throwing players in and hoping for the best, but Hopefully they've learned their lesson for being in the season, been in the league for for one year. You know that's that's the plan. Matt, I mean you you will have seen Derby last season um, firsthand. You know they were relying very much on the old guard, weren't they? In, in David McGoldrick and across the back Curtis Davis, that sort of thing. Um, so what were your impressions, and where do you think Tony fits in? Yeah, I think obviously kind of going to. To the signing, first of all, he, you know, you kind of gave a bit of background on his career, and he's not had, a, he's not scored a senior goal yet. He's 19 years of age, so he's going to kind of come in and be under no pressure, no illusions. I mean, you know, they lost David McGoldrick, as you mentioned. You kind of took the words out of my mouth. Sort of, they were very heavily reliant on the old guard, and he was the the top of the list for that. You know, obviously, Connor Chaplin and Johnson Clark Cass, I think, got more goals than him last season, and you know, you can certainly say that Derby didn't miss out on the playoffs because they didn't have that 20-goal man. They certainly had that. It was just results towards the end of the season that really sort of killed it for them. But kind of going back to Tony Weston, I mean, you know, 19 years of age, he's certainly got a point to prove. He's not had many games at senior level, but when you see who he's going to be behind, James Collins, Connor Washington, they're going to be the ones who are going to be under pressure. So he's going to kind of come into it, as I said, backing up. What I said, under no pressure, no illusions. It will just probably to start with may come on for the first few minutes of games if there is that stage where Paul Warren feels he wants to bring him on. But then obviously he might get his chance in the cup games, you know, especially the EFL trophy or Papa John's trophy, what you prefer to call it. So I think that there is um, a little bit of that with it. And I think with Paul Warren, he is often someone who, as well as signing vastly experienced players, he's got history of it at Rotherham. He's kind of looking to do that as well at Derby, albeit trim the age of the squad um, in terms of Davis and McGoldrick going. He is quite well known to bring in sort of younger players in and, you know, let them develop for a couple of years and really give them their chance. I mean, in terms of last season, obviously, you know, I remember I went to the away game with, with Bristol Rose at Derby. I think they beat us 5-2 and they 
they very much last year kind of, you know, were under Liam Rossini, where they were a very possession-based team. I think before he left, they were one of the best average possession-based sides in the league, and he's kind of followed that on at Hull. Whereas Paul Warren's very much not quite of the same ilk in terms of the football, but he does know how to get things done very streetwise. You know, they are very much a team that he likes to build where they're solid throughout. They've got a good spine. Rotherham had it for a lot. I talk about he has a lot of experience. He likes to get tried and sort of tested players. But one thing that really kind of stood out for me was, you know, they played the same system under Rossini, but as they did under Warren. But I think the problem was for them last year was the wing-back situation. They didn't really have a lot of out-and-out sort of wing-backs. You know, you'd have Mendes Lang filling in there sometimes. Um, I think Louis Sibley, a couple of games, was filling in there. They had Hayden Roberts, who was on loan from Brighton, obviously Rossini's connection, playing at left wing back for Derby or Corey Smith at right wing back. But obviously, you know, which you're probably going to touch on to their summer business over what it does maybe look like they tried to eradicate that area. But, you know, I think just towards the end of last season, their run of results didn't quite get them to, to get into the playoffs. But you can't argue this year with the managers know. I think every year he's been in League One, that he's had a full year, he's got Rotherham promoted. So the signs do look good as a as a Derby fan, that's for sure. But they still probably, I think, maybe do need to to put a lot of emphasis on James Collins or even Washington to to get the goals because that is a big void left with McGoldrick going. Yeah, I mean James Collins was a player that absolutely tore out, didn't he, for a couple of years? I mean he was he was he was red hot, and it surprised me how badly um, he played. I think for times last season in League One. I mean I, I went to Pride Park as well. Um, and he was anonymous. I mean, McGoldrick was was running everything. Mendes Lang, a player that I really like as well. But it did just feel like they they got that kind of age inside. I mean, Johnny, do you see them as favourites with yourself with coming down with the business that they've made? Jeez, yeah, you you would think that, wouldn't you? <laughs> like you, you know, you go, you look at the clubs, you look at the, the the quality of the players, but you look at a side like Plymouth. You, you know, you don't give. You know, Luton in the old days, such going through the leagues, it's about having team spirit. It's about having a plan, about having a unity, about having guys that want to play for each other, a manager who believes in them. Um, and, and also the manager needs time. I think, you know, <laughs> football nowadays, it's like, if you don't get, you know, if you're not top of the league in the first 10 games, it's like, we need another manager, we need another manager, whatever level it is. And, you know, Derby, the expectation is obviously different and no respect to some of the smaller clubs in League One. Obviously, you know, me coming back down from the Championship and back into League One, you know, there's a different thing. But League One is now, like, you look at so many big clubs in League One that were in the Premier League Championship. It's, all, you know, it's not like I oh, when Reading were in there back in 98, you know, it was, a, you know, a different league. Now there's so many clubs there like Charlton that, have got the potential to go back up. It's so competitive. You can't just go, oh, yeah, we've big club, we've gone back down, we reserve the right to go back into the next league because that ain't going to happen. You have to do your homework. You have to get the right players in. You have to get the right attitude, the right motivation, and people that have a point to prove. I think that's the difference in that league, that you're hungry. You're not there for, you're not there for your wage. You're not there to... Just get your money. Yeah, you can score 10, 15 goals, but you have to buy into the team spirit. And I think that shows in the teams that go up in that league. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, I certainly buy that. And I think, obviously, you guys have just dropped down. You mentioned their 98. We'll not talk about that because that was our last time in the third tier before this as well. And I remember Carla Sabre playing for you, I think, and putting... Was Carla Sabre he's at Reading or was he Stoke? Um, he, was at, anyway. he was at us, but he wasn't very good for us. <laughs> no, well, I don't know if he maybe scored twice past us. But anyway, um, but... Yeah, you know, Matt will kind of testify to this. Actually, I think this is the weakest league one in, in three or four seasons. And you're coming into it and you're looking at these teams like Charlton thinking, you know, they're strong, they should be forming Premier League. Mm. When we came first came up, you, you've got Sunderland there who, you know, OK, they were the joke at the time on the back of the Netflix documentary, but they were no mugs. They had the money to spend. They didn't quite have the attitude until... Um, they they found the, the the right blend, and when they did go up, you've got Ipswich, absolutely huge team, really. You know, a team that have won European European not yeah. cup, UEFA yeah. cup, mm. felt like big teams. And now we're looking, and I, I don't mean this disrespectfully, but you look at Reading coming down with with all of the problems that you guys have got. You know, five years ago Reading coming down, you might have gone, that, you know, that'd be tough. You're looking at it now, think, well, if you get your points deductions, and we'll come on to that. Wigan coming down, we're just a basket case. You know, they're not even a, a good yo-yo side, and a Blackpool team. I think that you know, I, I'm not a big Blackpool fan, obviously, because of what they did to us in the playoff final. <laughs> Still hurts, I bet. <laughs> yeah, man, it does. And I'm not even going to get on to the 2007 playoff semi-final with you, Matt, to be fair, because I was sat there when you put five pastors at Sinsel Bank and it hurt. Um, but in reality, you know, Derby are this season's Ipswich. They're this season's Sunderland, in my view. But the one thing that they've got, I think that the others don't, and, and you guys have touched on it, is Paul Warren. And I think you said it, Matt, perfectly. You know, he knows how to get out of this league, doesn't yeah. he? Whether it's Tony Weston, Connor Robinson, Connor mm. Robinson, Connor Washington, he knows what he's doing, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. And I think that's the the thing you always felt. I think Rotherham fans certainly felt, and I think Derby fans probably will. You know, you've got someone at the helm where you feel quite relaxed about. I think he's quite a different sort of manager to what you sort of hear you know he's very good in interviews he is quite a bubbly funny character he comes out of a lot of funny stuff he's quite a, a quirky character and I think you really do see sort of the the human side of him but kind of going back to your point I do kind of agree with the fact that this isn't the strongest league one that there has been for three or four years I mean you look at the teams last year you know the three sides that got promoted all hit 90 points I mean Plymouth uh, got 101 I think it was I think Ipswich had 100 points I think it was I honestly don't believe that this year, and time will tell, of course, because you always do kind of put yourself on the chopping block, chopping board for predictions, but <laughs> I just don't see this year three sides getting to within 100 points bracket. I really don't. And I kind of agree with the fact that probably in terms of prestige and how long they've been here, I think Derby probably are the team that everyone's going to maybe look to. They are that Sunderland, that Ipswich that you mentioned, which I do kind of agree with. But I don't see them as that, that top two kind of team. I really don't. I just think that, you know, kind of touching on a point that Johnny kind of said as well, you looked at Plymouth last year, they had a very young, hungry, young, hungry side. They had their recruitment absolutely spot on. Bali Mumba was probably the best player in the, the league last year, or one of them anyway. Morgan Whitaker outstanding, both signed uh, permanently. Whereas Derby, you know, there is that, that ageing squad feel. And I feel like, yes, it kind of, work to some degree with Sheffield Wednesday. And experience does get you some way. I think you need to have a lot of legs, a lot of energy now in League One. Yes, you can have a good structure and a good defence like Ipswich did, but certainly taking the leaf out of Plymouth's book. I just don't see Derby quite having that level of Plymouth, but certainly probably with who they've signed at the back in Nelson and obviously Sonny Bradley, you know, 
obviously played a big part for Luton last year and getting into the Premier League, a real stalwart. They probably will be defensively strong. And he's always had that in his armory, Paul one, but they won't be the most exciting side to watch. That's obviously my personal belief. But he's never probably been one to, to admit that himself with all this Rotherham sides down the years. They've just been efficient, know what they're doing very streetwise yeah. and obviously just know what they're doing and always seem to just get the job done. And obviously, Johnny, you will have seen Paul Warren's Rotherham in action whenever they've they've kind of come up. Do you echo that sentiment? Yeah, he does what he does. Yeah, and us, him as a manager, isn't it? You know, you, you people like him are so underrated. You know, like you know, we going back to the Reading situation. Like you know, we were looking at Chris Wilder for our rebuild the summer, and you know, because of our off the field, that's a manager that knows the league. I'm saying like you, you need someone that knows League One. You need someone that knows the Championship. Yeah, you might get lucky with someone that comes in randomly and and hits a run, like we had with Yapstam a few years ago. We got us a playoff final, but it, it, the, the league is a it's, it's a horrible league. Forty six games a season, isn't it? Any any of the Championship, League One, League Two. So you need guys that that have team spirit. They have that togetherness. Yeah, you need a squad. You need luck with injuries. You need. A bit of luck probably with the referees. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it's um, Paul Warren's shown what he can do. And, like you know, managers like that, like the, our nemesis, Neil Warnock, you know, they he's gone on to play, at, you know, to manage at a high level. There's a lot of managers down at those levels that deserve higher opportunities because they, they know how to manage and they know how to manage on a budget and they know how to manage people and they know how to get teams promoted. And that isn't easy at that level with restrictions, you know. And kind of go to jumping in on that, I think he's going to kind of adopt the same principles at Derby, you know. Obviously, they sold Jason Knight for a seven-figure sum. At Rotherham, he was always very shrewd in terms of yeah. getting his business. And he didn't really throw money around like it was going out of fashion. Okay, different to, to being at Derby because they are, you know, you could argue... A, the saying of a bit of a cliche, but a big fish in a small pond in terms of being a league one compared to other clubs. But, you know, they have got money to, to play with and he always seems to to get the right players in based on characters and yeah. not the, the big money buys. And I think that is something he's always stuck by his principles with. And I think that's something that maybe Rotherham fans can certainly sort of agree to and would probably echo that sentiment that he's very much not looking at the bigger player who might have played in the Premier League three years ago, but would maybe want a hungry player who's, you mm. know, done very, very well in League Two. He's very, very good at getting characters in and not getting swayed by bigger players or bigger transfer fees. And I think that's the case, even though he's gone to a club in Derby. It's a jigsaw. I always call it, guys. It's a, it's a jigsaw. You, you know, good managers, you know, we've had them, you know, Reading, they, they, they get the players to fit the pieces. Fergie did it at United, but all the good managers do it. Warnock, you know, you could go down all the levels. It's it's getting the right player to fit the team, isn't it? Whereas you see other managers just buy whoever's out there and chuck them together and hope it works. And you're going, all right, yeah, good luck, lads. But that's that's the that's the difference in success as a manager, I think, you know, at all levels. I think so. And I think one thing I'd say about Paul Warren as well at Derby, which people may or may not know, but his backroom staff, the skeleton of his backroom staff, very much what he had at Rotherham. He's got Ross yeah. Burberry, who was the fitness coach at Rotherham. He's got Andy Warrington, who was the goalkeeping coach at Rotherham. He's just brought Josh Vickers in, who Andy Warrington signed, to kind of brought in at Rotherham and was reserve goalkeeper there as well. I think what he's got there is he's scaling up. 
I think Paul Warren is, in my opinion, one of the best managers in this division um, yeah. by a mile. I think what he did with Rotherham year on year uh, was was outstanding, especially when you consider some of the teams when Rotherham and Wigan went up a couple of years ago. Consider the teams that were in the division, the Charltons, the Ipswiches, the Sunderlands, yeah. you know, big, big yeah. teams, and he still took them up. I really, really like Paul Warren, experienced manager. Let's flip over to another so-called promotion um, candidate here. We're going, I'm going to refer to them as Little Lincoln. You can call them Portsmouth if you want, because <laughs> this this summer they've signed Anthony Scully, who was at Lincoln. They've signed yeah. Regan Paul. They've already got Sean Raggett. They've already got Joe Morrell. Um, so Little Lincoln down on the south coast playing at Fratton Park. Um, <laughs> John Massinio is the, is the manager there. I think he's made something like 13 signings. He's going to be his first full season as manager. Um, they had a pre-season friendly against Wimbledon, AFC Wimbledon, on Tuesday night. Um, they lost 1-0, and here are some of his comments. I'm just kind of interested to see what you guys think of these. Um, so they lost 1-0. He said a positive is the amount of chances created in the second half and finding the net, which we didn't have any trouble doing at the weekend, is the next step. It's never going to be smooth with so many signings coming in across the front six. Five of them arrived in the summer. Um, this is the time to get those teething problems out of the system and the plenty of training sessions left. Teething problems, 10, 10 days before the beginning of the season, whole new squads. Um, Matt, are Portsmouth mm. promotion candidates? I think they have to be. I think some of the names you put in there, I mean, you know, you've just mentioned, obviously, the ex-Lincoln contingent to have played there. I mean, Regan Paul going there is a real coup for me. I was very surprised he didn't get... A championship move, to be fair, I don't want to keep bringing up about uh, sort of really good Lincoln players because I can see it's uh, hurting a little bit on camera. But uh, yeah, you know, Scotty, I think, is really, really good for, for League One. And obviously, you know, they played a big part a couple of years ago. I don't want to keep bringing it up, of course, it, it, when they got so close to getting in the championship. I think they are. I think, you know, kind of touching on the comments he said, I think it's expected that his team in problems is because, as you mentioned, you know, you look at the, the, the front line, especially Scully, Gavin White, Christian Sadie, um, Abu Kamara and uh, Yengi have all been signed. You know, that's five attacking players that have all been signed. And obviously they're existing with Colby Bishop, who is going to be the main man. There's always going to be teething problems. You know, in any sort of walk of life away from football, if you just sort of come to a new club or started a new job and you're kind of trying to get chemistry and understanding with people, you're not going to get that rapport straight away. You're going to get it over time. So I think he's kind of right in kind of what he says in his comments. I can understand why it's kind of been maybe brought up in a concerning manner 10 days or so before the season begins. I can understand that point entirely, but I think he's just making a, a general point. But, you know, you say that he did say positives that they were creating chances, but it's just interesting that possibly there's teething problems because maybe in his own mind, he's having a dilemma of, well, who do I start? You know, who's, who's going to be the three up front? Because when he came in, he came from the 4-4-2 of Cowley, which you will obviously full well know, um, Gary, that they're, they're quite direct. They like to go long. They play with, a you know, kind of a big target man, love to use the wingers. He's very much the senior that, you know, sort of getting the ball down, playing through the midfield and then kind of trying to spring forward like that. Very much the, the Carl Robinson way, which obviously would have known at Oxford being a coach there and being a player. So, it's it's probably just trying to find that balance of who's his three up front going to be. Bishop's probably going to be one of them. Who's the two outside players on the right and or the left? But they've got very, very good options. And I definitely would see Portsmouth as, 
as promotion candidates. I think Mourinho's got the chops. I like the way they play. I just think now they've they've brought a lot decent amount of players in. I think the technical director coming in, Richard Hughes, has probably made a big deal out of it. You know, came in just before the end of 2022. Good experience with Forest Green, buying younger players. It seems Portsmouth have done that shift with a lot of older players. So I can understand completely why they are always going to be touted as promotion contenders. And I think more so than any other year, their recruitment probably stands up just a little bit better than in previous years under the likes of Jacket and Danny Cowley. Johnny, how do you see Portsmouth? I know it's a little bit tougher having come out of the championship. It'll be be first hand, but what are your impressions? No, I'm learning very quickly. <laughs> but like, but like the, the thing to me is like, you know, those those kind of comments, you're kind of going, is he the one that's making those kind of signings? You know, you're kind of going, he's like, he's landed with this one, this one, this one. He's like, okay, I've got to fit these into a team. Is it the players that he chooses? You know, you see it so many times with managers or coaches or whatever they want to call themselves now. It's like, yeah, we've got you this player, this player. And he's like, well, is this the system he wants to play? Yeah, you've got great players, but 11 great players don't make a team. How many times have we seen that through football? Um, but yeah, at, at that level, I mean, Portsmouth was, again, you know, in the old days, a big club. And, and you know, you, you'd hope, and like you say, the names on there, I've, I've, I've been doing my homework overnight. <laughs> <laughs> looking through the teams and, and, and going, geez, there's well, one that or is Ronan Curtis has been linked with Reading for like how many ever years and he left Portsmouth. Um, but like, I, I don't like, I think anything if you talk about it and then a month into the season, you go, okay, we're seeing then by the end of the transfer window, you're going, teams have worked out what's going on, isn't it? There's a lot of conjecture about who who's going to be doing what. They, they've got a lot of good players in there. I've gone through that list and I'm going, yeah, Scully was you know, a class player. But is it a team? Is it a team that's going to work together? Is it players that aren't playing going to get the old-fashioned hissy fit and go, well, I should be playing over that? Is it a, is it a, a unit that wants to play for each other? I think that's the big thing. And we talked, I touched on it before about the club in this level. Is it a United squad? Those comments going to help. We'll see what happens. You know. Well, I mean, yeah, just, I... just to, just a point. I'll say. Just, sorry to, to kind of interrupt again. I mean, they made they've made eleven signings sort of in the summer. They signed ten of them before the tenth of July. So yeah. you got to think. You know, they've had those bulk of players in for the start of pre-season, and those attacking players that I've sort of mentioned or have been touched upon, they were signed within that ten. So yeah. you you can flip that kind of what he said on its head a little bit and go, well, how's their sort of teething problems when a lot yeah. of the players would have been, you know, in day in, day out, they've been in the preseason, they've done all the sort of understanding, they've done a lot of ball work, they would have done a lot yeah. of the fitness side of things. A lot of teams now don't play a lot of games, it seems, they, you know, kind of very much, uh, you know, thinking of the fitness side of things and then they play less games, don't they? They want to do a lot of training and take a lot of information in. But, you know, just thinking of it like that, I think that, again, that's probably why that would be a cause for concern for Portsmouth fans on the fact that, you know, they've made those, they've made 10 of their 11 signings on the 10th, by the 10th of July. And yet he's kind of still saying mm. with 10 days left of the season, there's still teething problems. It does make you kind of think on the flip side, well, hang on, maybe, he's, you know, not all is well here. Yeah. yeah, I think the thing is, I hate this saying, and I'm going to use it anyway. It could go either way because you see it every year. Last season, Sheffield Wednesday made a host of new signings and you were thinking, how are they going to gel? I remember they're bringing in uh, the Rotherham guy, Michael Smith, 
the guy at the back who was at Tranmere, whose name yeah, I can't right. pronounce, but begins with I. Yeah, that's the one. Um, they, <laughs> you know, they signed, signed a shed load of players, and I thought they're going to they're going to struggle, and they were superb. MK Dons did exactly the same thing. Mm. You looked mm. at the players, you thought they're going to do really well. Their manager was it was his first full season, I think. Liam Manning, I seem to think he'd swapped at the beginning of the previous season, the very very first couple of mm. games, if I remember correctly, and they flopped. I think what concerns me a little, and this is kind of putting my Lincoln hat on a little bit, is with Anthony Scully, you've got to play him in the right position. He's not mm. a winger and he's not a centre forward. Um, people who, like my granddad would have told me, he is an inside forward. He plays in those kind of that space between the way. He's taught, you get him playing well, you're laughing. Um, and I think team, team spirit has been a problem at Portsmouth for as long as we've been playing them. I can't remember the, the big unit's name that played under Kenny Jacket. He scored loads of goals for him up top and he ended up going to Swindon and scored against us. Brett something, I seem to think. Pittman. Escapes me. That's him. Yeah, Pittman. Yeah, geez, he's done the rounds, hasn't he? Yeah. Do you know <laughs> Ravers as well, so he's really done the rounds there, hasn't he? <laughs> you know I was, in my head, I was going Brett Ormworld. But he was yeah, that was the other Brett, wasn't it? <laughs> but you remember Kenny Jacket, you remember Brett Pittman. To a degree, Ronan Curtis... Jamal Lowe when he wanted to move. I've always felt that there's been individuals at Portsmouth. Mm. I've felt that some players have gone mm. to Portsmouth at this level because they're Portsmouth. They're a big team. They are a big team. They've won the FA Cup in the last, what, kind of 15 years. They've been in the FA Cup final in 2009, I think, as well. And there was one or two players that, that I felt went there because of that. I do think now they've got some really good characters. Joe Morrell, um, yeah, he'll get sent off. We know he'll get sent <laughs> off, but he's a superb little midfielder. Um I just wonder about John Mussinio. I, I think personally, Mussinio, if he had stuck at Oxford for six months, that would have been his perfect role. Um, but unfortunately, he's kind of, I wonder if he, he might even have not half an eye on that, but that might be at the back of his mind. Um, but no, Portsmouth, big, big club at this level, lots of expectation. And just to touch on um, Matt's point, Regan Paul, what a player, um, genuinely what a player. And, as I understand it, there was a, a deal struck with a club in the championship who then changed their manager. That deal fell through. You know, it is what it is. He's, you know, he's, he, Lincoln City fans were saying um, it's a sideways step. It's not sideways step, is it? You move from Lincoln City to Portsmouth. It doesn't matter whether there was two places between us. You know, there's there's a lot mm. between them in terms of club history. So. This podcast is sponsored by the wonderful people over at NordVPN. The 2023-24 campaign is set to draw to a close, but the football never truly stops. With the Olympics, Euro 2024 and the new season set to commence in no time, make sure you don't miss any of the action wherever you may be in the world by downloading NordVPN. For just the price of one cup of coffee per month, NordVPN allows you to watch your favourite teams, players, shows and movies anywhere in the world, even if they aren't available in your region, simply by switching the location on your device to one which is showing the content. NordVPN also acts as your cyber bodyguard, protecting your personal data and other sensitive information such as credit cards and passwords from falling into the wrong hands, which is always a worry when you travel abroad. And with just one subscription to NordVPN, you can use this service across six different devices, which is incredibly handy if you're traveling with your family and or loved ones. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash realEFL. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support our podcast too. The link is in the podcast episode description box. So now... Back to the podcast. Away days are great, especially when your striker bags a last-minute winner. But there's nothing quite like playing at home. And do you know what? The same goes for McDonald's. Why not maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery? Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. 
at participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So we've touched Portsmouth. We've touched on Derby. Johnny mentioned the next team we're going to talk about. And what do you know? It's a Lincoln City connection. Again, I haven't done this on purpose, <laughs> genuinely. Um, but we're going to talk about Charlton. And I'm, I'm, I am going to throw this over to Matt, first of all, before we even talk about signing. Because, mm. Johnny, the first team you mentioned as a big team in this division were Charlton. <laughs> if you've been in this division for the last two or three years, they only feel a bit like a Burton Albion, don't they? I mean, they've been, mm. they've been poor with respect. Yeah. Expectation, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it is, but Matt, what, I mean, obviously you've, you've played against, well, not you personally, I don't think. Um, <laughs> Never that <but> good. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you, you've seen Charlton firsthand. It's a big year for them, isn't it, this? I think it is. I think, you know, they've had a lot of off-the-field problems. They've had a lot of different owners, obviously, um, that have come in. They've had a lot of sort of turnover in terms of players, in terms of manager. Um I kind of agree with your point in terms of sort of they got relegated 2020 from the championship, very difficult circumstances on the last day. Um, and they've ne they've never really set the world alight. You know, I, I kind of felt when Nigel Adkins had his first full season, I thought this is going to be the year they're going to really have a good crack at it and go again. And it's just kind of gone the other way. You know, they've they've never really been able to to get up the, the, the league table, really kind of, you know, perform to the expectations people have laid on them. They've still been able to get good players because they were once upon a time a Premier League club. And I think that does play a massive, massive part in terms of players moving from sort of League One clubs to, to the other ones. You know, your Portsmouth, your Derbys, your Reddings, your Charltons, you know, because they've been Premier League sides. I look at them this year. This, this for me is, is a big, big year. This is a chance for them to really get alongside that top six and really break in now. I mean... You know, I, I look at their business. I do really like it. I think, obviously, in terms of sort of, um, you know, who they've signed. Alfie May is an absolutely outstanding sign. I think yeah. any team in the league would take him. And I think that's any of the three sides coming down, to be honest. I think he's probably one of the most sought-after players you could probably wish to get. I like the business of sort of Terry Taylor getting signed from Burton, a very shrewd, good midfielder. Lloyd-Jones, very consistent at Cambridge in this division for... For two years, the playoff final losing goalkeeper, Harry Eistead, very, very good. And obviously, you know, just a sort of few days ago, could sign Tyler Dunn. So I like their business and obviously Kamara as well, highly sought after. But the only thing I think is is, is Dean Holden for me. I, I, I like him as a person. I think he's very passionate. He's a really caring guy. I think, again, he speaks from the heart. He's a real, you know, tough northerner, kind of as you'd expect, a real tough sort of defender in his Playing days, obviously, you know, you two are a little bit significantly more older than me, so you might remember sort of how he played and whatnot. Oh, that's a bit harsh. I don't mean to do that. Oh, oh. So, oh. Yeah, I'm sweating a little bit now, so uh, <laughs> I need to get in your book books now. But um, no, I just, I just kind of feel like with him, I think a little bit sort of he kind of believes his own hype a little bit. I, I think a lot of what he says, he's a little bit of sort of substance but no style I think a little bit I think he talks a really good game but I'm just not yet to be convinced by him at all and I just feel like he's got to prove me a lot wrong because <clears throat> you know I'm just not sure if he's capable of taking a team from League One into the championships which they're so desperately for because as you mentioned Gary the last couple of years they've been in League One they've been really really poor and they've massively massively underperformed I mean how they finished in the top half of the division last year is a total 
absolute. I was sort of bewildered by that. But obviously, you know, the league table sort of doesn't lie. But coming to this year, I'm just not sure, echoing my point, that Dean Holden really is the man to get Charlton to where they want to be. But, you know, if I'm proved wrong, then I'll obviously have to eat humble pie. And um, you echo that, Johnny? But there's well, you, and... you just mentioned Nigel Adkins and Chris Gunter went at Charlton from, from Reading at different ages of their careers. So, like, you know, that... Those kind of, you know, Nigel Atkins, tough job at Reading, you know, tough job at Charlton. It's, it's what, what do people expect, isn't it? You know, like just because you've managed in the Premier League or you've played in the Premier League, one player, one manager isn't going to fix a big problem in a club. There's a whole structure and a plan and what you're going to do as a team. But it goes back to this whole, you, it doesn't happen overnight. The best clubs build and build and build, but it's just how much time do the owners give the managers to give the players and the pressure that they're put under? Like you're saying about Holden, he could come out next season and have a great season. Is it luck? Is it because he's got the right people behind him? Is it because he's got an owner that believes in him? Mm. There's so much we don't know as as fans that goes on, but you you do know when you're watching a team and you're watching it and you're going, oh, this is awful. This isn't this isn't the team that I follow. Whatever league we're playing in, and you you you, you want an, an, a manager to have the identity of the fans, isn't it? You want a guy that you want to go every week and watch. It doesn't you, you're not going to win every game, but you want someone that you go, yeah, this is the football I want to see us play. He 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 has a style, he has a, a way of playing, and he mm. has a belief in the players, and that's that's the thing. And it, it 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 takes. Like, I know, you know. God, geez, Reading's you know going back to you know the good old days. You know, Reading built and built and built and built. Rovers built and built and built. You know, Lincoln built and built and built. But they were given time to do that because the expectation wasn't there. And I, I think now because of all the money and everything else in football, I'm not sure if you know almost on the hiding to nothing. Yeah, and the people know. haven't had that. They haven't had that at Charlton, have they? The previous managers. You look at. They've been a very, very trigger-happy club in terms of yeah. sacking Adkins, uh, Johnny Jackson, Ben Garner. You know, you could probably work oh, yeah, out was there, how, wasn't he, how as well. long... Yeah, how long did the the sort of... Yeah, we won't talk about that one. Um, <laughs> in terms of the, the sort of three people, I mean, they've probably even just about done a year on average as a three. So, yeah. you know, okay, that was under previous ownership, but it kind of goes back to your point. You know, no charter manager really since they've been in League One has been able to have that ability to really build. And I think with Holden, if he gets that chance, something could happen. You know, I'm kind of, you know, still stick to my point. Yeah, but yeah. There, is that li- there is that little thing with, with Charlton because, you know, you don't realise that in League One, they're a big club. But, you know, when they played Sunday in the platform, I didn't even realise, like, how many Charlton fans there were in their own. You know, they had a sellout <laughs> at Wembley. And I, and I mean that with no disrespect. And I mean that at all. But it might just be a bit of naivety for me. But... It is one of those, they are a really well-supported club. And, yeah. you know, if you play, if you get the team going, and as you mentioned, if he identifies with the fans, they play a really good way of football, the value will be full and they'll be singing because it is a really fantastic setting to have yeah. in the third tier, no question. You see, what's a, what, the common thread that's run through all three of these teams, and they weren't picked, I didn't pick them at random, is they're all looking for the same thing. And they're all at different stages, in my opinion, of having that in that they're looking to build. I think with Paul Warren, he's had almost a full season. He's been kicking out some of the older and bringing the younger ones in. 
Portsmouth, I think, are a little bit further on than than Charlton potentially, but John Massinio is is not quite as experienced. Now, I've already spoken about Charlton on a on a previous podcast. I really like them this season. I like their business. I like the way that they pulled their season around last season. Um, they came to us. Uh, we drew nil nil in October time. It was comfortably mm. the worst game of football I've ever seen. Three shots, one on target from each. There was no attacking intent. It was awful. Um, I've always found them as a, a graveyard for good players. You know, they signed um, Scott Fraser, Conor McGrandles, George Dobson. You know, reeling these players off, uh, and they were they were really they were poor. You know, and the, some of these players have drifted away. I still rate Dobson. Uh, Fraser, I still think he's one of the best midfielders in this division. We're talking about Terry Taylor. That's a practical signing. That's the sort of signing that it doesn't grab you the headlines, but he's done really well at Burton. Burton have made. Uh, a, Basically, I say made a living, but they've created this whole. They are what Gillingham were a couple of years ago. They are what Stevenage will be this year. They're strong. They're uncompromising. They're nasty. They are the image of their manager. And I'm not going to say that clubs have to be like that. Otherwise, we're going down a whole different route with Bristol Rovers. Um, but with Dean, well, we'll be here. With that's, Dean, another that's a good comeback. I like that. I like that. That's a cool Joey song. Uh, <laughs> Honestly, Joey Barton and Lincoln City. There's a bit of history there, but we're not we're not going to do it. There's, but anyway, um, but Dino Marmory at uh, Burton's done that. Terry Taylor, I think, has kind of picked up that strength because, if I remember correctly, he's, was a former Wolves youngster who was at Grimsby on loan, and he wasn't really very well rated when he first went to Burton. That turned him into the player. Teo Eden, they've signed a player there who is a League One, a top six League One quality left back. Or a top six League One quality central midfielder. You know, he's a superb footballer. How he didn't make it at Blackburn, I'll never ever know. Alfie May, you've just touched on. Everybody wanted a little bit of Alfie May. And and this isn't like when Jaden Stockley's free and everybody wants Jaden Stockley and he's still living off like two, three seasons that he had at Exeter and he's mm. never done anything else. You know, this is an Alfie May that scores goals regularly at this level. Of the three teams we've spoken about, if you had to pick two of them to say that they'll be the ones that go up, I would go for Derby and Charlton. Um, and I'm, I, yeah, I am really, really impressed with their business. And as you said, Matt, they're a huge club. And I think, yeah, I played it down a bit when I said to you they've been poor the last couple of seasons because they have. They feel like, and I mean this with the greatest respect, Lincoln, Bristol Rovers, Cambridge, Port Vale. 100%, 100%, you know what I mean? 100%, they feel, yeah. like, but they're not. But they're not. No, and I, 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 I kind of look at the incomings. I think the outgoings as well. Just touch upon it quickly. I think they've got rid of a few players that, for me, you know, they weren't really setting the world alight there, or they just didn't work out. I mean, yeah. you know, Ryan Innes, I think, was their captain last year. Played the bulk of their season. I feel like he let them down far too many times with silly dismissals, you know, and things like that. I mean, you know, Sam Lavelle was strong for Morgan when they got out of League Two a couple of years ago. Not worked out. They decided to flog him and, and, and take him to Carlisle. You know, Wallacott, really good goalkeeper, not going to play. So not letting him stay around and they've got rid of him. Macaulay Bomb, big wages. Um, Albie Morgan, you know, for me, probably last couple of years has underperformed, you know, gone to Blackpool, got a point to prove there. You know, and, and Sean Clare probably is the most disappointing one, probably a seven out of ten, you know, right back. But probably if you look if you're a Charlton fan, you see that outgoing, you think, yeah, I think we're 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 not gonna sort of get sleepless nights over losing Sean Clare or people like Macaulay Bon or Albie Morgan, so to speak. I think the big question is can they replace Raksaki? Because he was their talisman. I mean he tore us apart at their place. He was meant to come on loan to us. And you know, I think again one of you touched on it a little bit earlier and I'll throw this over to Johnny. We're here talking about next season it kicks off in 10 days 
but the loan market's yet to start moving and there's yeah. going to be a lot of changes. I mean, yeah. is that something Charlton being London-based probably have an easier pick of players than Lincoln being, you know, an hour from the nearest motorway? Absolutely. I think it's 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 the fit, isn't it? It's for the mould of, of, of where these young players want to go and, and, and I don't know, agent talk, I'm sure, buys into that. But you, you want to go to a club, I, you know, I'm using young Savage, you know, Robbie Savage's son has joined us from Man United, played at Forest Green Rovers last year on loan. Um, personally, I know I've not seen him play, I can't, you know, but to go from Man United to Reading for a four-year deal um, is, is huge for, you know, a young lad that wants to jump out of his comfort zone. He said it himself, he wants to go and play, he wants to go and prove himself, which... You can see now a lot of young players, oh, I'll stick for the money. I'll play at you know, the comfortable club. I'll stick at United until I'm 23, 24. But he wants to go out there and do it. And I think, you know, that, that's, that's an exciting proposition, isn't it? For, you know, someone, you know, to go out there, play real, as like old people like us, real men's football. <laughs> you know, <laughs> under 23s, under 21s isn't the same as playing in League One, League Two every week. You, you have to go out there and play proper football whatever position you play in you're playing every week you learn on the game that's the only way you're going to play and improve isn't it as a player like players that play like Andy Carroll you know is Reading now he's 35 26 that's how he started that's the old-fashioned process and I think to be honest you've got me and Matt can both sit here and and comfortably back that up because I can do it with Brennan Johnson who you know, came to Lincoln yeah. City as a boy and left as a, a, a World Cup Premier League player. And yeah. and obviously you had, was it Nick Anderson from Newcastle a couple of seasons uh, and ago? Anderson. And he's and he's the reason that we ended up getting out of League Two and into League yeah. One and having that bonkers last day where, you know, if you don't get the seventh goal, there's, there's no <laughs> pitch invasion. There's no sort of, you know, Northampton fans crying and, you know, still to this day, bitter even though they did get promoted. But that's a different story and probably time for another podcast. But yeah, <laughs> you know, it, it's kind of backing up what you're saying, attesting to that, how, you know, a lone player can, can really make a, a massive difference. And I think you, you make a really good point there, Gary. Charlton being in London, they've got the top pick of, you know, Saki from Palace. Um, they've got Kamara from Ipswich. OK, it's not Premier League, but, you know, Ipswich to, to Charlton is not a, a great, Travel, traveling aspect is it so they do have a pick of the bunch in that respect it's just if they choose to use it or not and I think with Kamara he was obviously Crawley as well so I mean he's he's, he's quite clearly kind of comfortable um, yeah. down that, that end and and you know I didn't mention him he's probably the one player that does have that little bit of flair whether he's a, a Raksaki yeah. replacement or not and I do think it's interesting to see the clubs that are doing lots of permanent business now uh, and we've just got on that train this season you know we've always um, at Lincoln relied heavily on the loan players. And I think because we had Morgan Rogers and we had Brennan Johnson um, and we had other, we had TJ Omer, who was great for us that season, Alex Palmer, who I think is going to be West Brom number one this season, with great, great players. And I think we hoped to recreate that the last couple of years and it hasn't worked. We've had players who have been disappointing in uh, Jordan Garrick and Jack Diamond last season. I mean, we had Morgan Whitaker the season before and, and Nobody rated him. He got booed on at Lincoln. He, he got substituted on and they booed, some fans booed him on the pitch and now he's a £1 million player. But this year, we've not signed a loan player yet. Every single one of the players mm-hmm. is ours. And I think I think football's beginning to wise up a little bit to the loan market. And I think the the, the, the new regulations that have come through about the number of loan players that can be put out in the Premier League and don't fully understand it, don't pay any attention to the Premier League. Um, and the, the substitute 
rules where now you can have loads more subs and so younger players aren't going out as much. I think it's forcing teams' hands. And I actually think the teams that own a majority of their squad will probably be the ones um, that do better. So, um, I mean, I was just interested. Uh, we'll drop on if it's all right to chat about your guys' teams now, get a little bit of expertise. Obviously, um, we'll go with Reading first because oh, me thanks. and Matt don't. We, well, we, I was going to say me and Matt don't know a lot about you, but let's face it, um, we want to talk to you about Reading because um, you really have what the, to. What the hell is going first. on? <laughs> What's going on? I mean, you've got so a, a former Premier League manager comes in. You're handing out four-year deals, as you just said, to Man United kids. It looks like you you kind of still looks like transfer business-wise, still very much playing that we've just dropped out the championship with, with big spenders. But what's going on? It's a mess. Like It's a mess. been a mess since Sir John Majewski was there, where we left now, 12 years ago, 13 years ago, where we've now had five overseas owners in. Uh, Di Young is the latest one who we, we, we've overspent by... I, Look, the, the, the amounts are varied from what people say. You know, 200 million. Uh, we broke the EFL's rules that they make. This is a guy that was turned down to um, be the owner of Hull in the Premier League because he was dodgy. He's now got two clubs into liquidation uh, in Europe and back in China. There's a whole thing going on with him money-wise, that he can't get money out of China because the government over there are clamping down on what they're doing. Um, it's it's horrible. It's absolutely vile. Like, you know, clubs that have been through similar issues. Um, you know, I live over here in Ireland, but I'm born, born and bred in Reading. It's my home team. It's my home club. It's everything that means the world to me and so many people. It's not about football it's about a community and it's being destroyed by him um you know with the sell before we die campaign that's going on between the all the different fan groups we've joined together because everyone's gone enough's enough and, and then today's just been the, the icing on the cake where as we've talked about we've had you know some really good signings two lads from cambridge sam smith's come back to reading um Savage has come in and you're going, oh, at last we're looking forward. We, you know, the last three years, we haven't been able to sign players for money because you've been under this embargo. We've only we've had six point deduction the season before, but luckily Derby had 21. So he stayed up last year. The EFL hits the six point deduction about six weeks before the end of the season. Paul Lintz was in charge, which was one of the worst decisions we've ever had. <laughs> um, and then, you know, it's just free fall. And then, you know, the promise of a rebuild over the summer with Mark Bowen, who's the director of football who came in, came as manager, director of football for it. It's, it's, a, it's a bit of a circus. Um, and now there was talk about, I said, like uh, Wilder coming in was almost kind of nailed on as manager. Then he went, geez, probably the club's a mess. And then we got Salas, who's ex-Southampton manager at the end of the season, come in. And absolutely fair play to him for taking it on because he's very brave or very stupid mm. because of the way the club is at the minute. And it's and I'm not slating, you know, there's I, I know a lot of people at the club and I'm on the supporters trust at Reading and there's some really lovely people that work behind the scenes. And it's they're the ones that get affected by this because, you know, wages haven't been paid. 
the players and people for four or five times now, I think it's going to get to. Um, when you think you're going forward, you're not. Um, any football fan, you've seen it with Berry, you've seen it with Cholton, you've seen it with so many clubs, and, and we're the next victim. Um, and then, you know, we, 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 there was a winding up order in August, I think, through, you know, not payment of tax a month ago. And then the EFL cleared all that. And then we went and signed all these players on long-term contracts. And then here we are today back with another embargo, apparently, which is, from people I speak to, it's pretty much the case. And it's like, how is that allowed to happen? Like, mm. forget the owners are idiots, but the EFL allow this to happen and it, it's it's ridiculous as, as you know as a fan of a football club we all have our own you know jokes about the clubs we support and who gets on with each other and you know results but it's our community it's our fan base and it's just like come on seriously like how don't let us sign players for three years fine now you're letting us sign players and we've actually paid money for savage from man united and then a week, well, three days later, we're back and under an embargo again. You couldn't make it. It's like forty towers running football. You know, it, 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 I can't, I can't explain it any other way than that because you wouldn't allow it in the other business. It's heartbreaking for me as a fan and so many other people because, or like you know, over the summer, I knew once we got relegated, they would bail. But there's a whole issue with the owner. There's a, a thing on BBC today about the owners and China yeah, I was just and reading about it, yeah. the money going on that there, you know, there's fraudulent stuff and he's doing whatever people can read about it. I'm not going to go into it because it is it, corrupt as ever, but back in the days of when Majewski was in charge, it was very good. It was, you know, everyone's like, oh, we need to invest, need to invest. He brought in a Russian guy who, when we got back into the premier league back in 2011, we had Jason Roberts, who you know quite know quite well. Um, yeah, we got back yeah. in, but it was all fraudulent because it was um, he didn't have the money, and the EFL ticked the boxes to allow him in to own the club with Reading. And this guy's the same, you know. Yep, yeah, Reading hold the hands up and do whatever, but it's not the fans that run the club; it's these owners, and the EFL allow it to happen. And it's happened not just us, but so many different clubs. And it's like, you know, we're still sitting here in this wall of silence. We all know what's going on, but no one's saying anything. You just see the little things on the EFL embargo, you know, and it's it's sad. It's sad. I'm not here to, you know, because I want to talk about other, you know, I'm learning about League One. It's great. I can't wait to go back to all the good clubs that it's I've not great. not been to. It's not great. It's not Horrible. great to learn. It's not great. It's not great. Oh, man. No, but, like, you know. <laughs> I've, I've got to disagree with you there. Hey, I've been away. I mean, I, I don't want to suggest that this is coming to you, Johnny. Or I've been away to North Ferriby and had to sit in a tree and watch the second half. You know, I remember losing one more to Salisbury at home. <laughs> Believe me, League One is great. And, and but what I just wanted to throw that over briefly, if I may, um, to to Matt. I mean, Reading coming down. You know, for the likes of of you and I, and you know, I hope you don't mind this mm. kind of classic Lincoln and Bristol Rovers is very similar. Yeah, it's a big club coming down, Wigan, we can look at Wigan and go, well, it's going to sound awful, Wigan fans, I'm sorry, but none of you were, none of you were moaning when you won the League One title and you knew you were overspending. So I've got no sympathy for Wigan fans, but Reading, mm. big club, I've heard Reading fans the last year questioning what was going on. You know, it's not a case of we've had some success. 
Do you know what I mean? I mean, from from a Bristol Rovers point of view, from a from a Bristol Rovers fans point of view, mm. what do you see happening with Reading? Well, I know quite a lot of Reading fans, and obviously I've sort of had quite a lot of conversations with them and, and stuff like that. I mean, kind of there's two ways I look at I me. Mean, the football inside of things, like how does Ruben Sayers feel? Because as you mentioned there, John, he's kind of gone in there. Is he, you know, is he stupid or is he kind of just wanting to take it because he just loves the thrill of management? I mean, has he had the wall pulled over his eyes? You know, I mean, they. I, I, I don't think they... so, mate. I, I don't think with Mark Bowen, I know from what Mark Bowen's trying to do from a football side of things, but, the, the, you know, the owners are basically trying to, you know, keep people uh, from talking. You know, there's, there's that yeah. going on. I'll hang my head out there and say it. Um, you know, they're trying to kind of, stop everything from coming out but mm. people aren't stupid and you know you can see things that are going on but they're trying you know the, the you know we've got we've got a great training facility one of the still one of the best mm. you know the academy we've had for years we've, we've got back to category one again we lost it last year because of the mess we had under the great Eamon Dolan who developed so many great players that we've had now it's this thing it's like no one's stupid, are they? You know, you know, you speak. To, we all speak to people, right? You you speak to people. It's 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 sad. It's sad to see a football club. You know, like it's not about being in a league one. We're not precious to League One, League Two. Mm. All I care about is my football club existing. That's the bottom line for me mm. in my my life for my parents, grandparents, and you know. That's my local team. It's generations, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And my generations, my my family going ahead. But these people that run these clubs and the people that allow them to run so badly, it's, it's disgusting. Going to say about the, the sort of wall over his eyes and that, but obviously that's been clear, which is a fair point to make. I think he's almost, from the point of view, you know, he, he's made four signings and then, you know, they had all these different trialists playing, didn't they? I think it was, um, I saw the other day, like Shadeep, obviously you all know Gary from Lincoln last year. Uh, Johansson, I think, was there. Amos, there was a whole sort of plethora of players. And he's probably had conversations one-on-one -on -one and gone, look, we're going to try and sign you. Just relax. And then as soon as they've heard that the embargoes, they've probably been trying to have conversations about getting contracts. Now, they're going to have to get kind of pulled away or they're going to have to wait like Harvey Nibs probably did, Sam Smith probably did. Those are deals probably done pre-agreed, knowing the, the situation. So that's kind of the, 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 the worry I have with him is, is kind of, not so much the wall poured over his eyes, but, you know, he's thought in his own mind, I'm going to get 10 plus players. I'm going to build a whole new team and it's going to be a fresh start, even though we've got the same owner. But yet yeah, they've just gone back to square one. And I think off the pitch as well, you know, I'm not here to to pick the EFL, but kind of echoing what you said, Johnny, how on earth do they know that there's a another tax bill they've got to pay? Do they allow Reading to buy someone yeah. from Man United and then go, OK, we're going to give you another transfer embargo? Yeah. I mean, you know... They've been watching Reading like a hawk for years. We were yeah, like you said, earlier. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You it, know, I mean, it's not helped with this owner, but they would have been very some much responsibility all the time. Yeah, they would have been very much thinking we're for the club. This guy has got a history of doing this time after time. Unless everything is paid and it's cleared, and we're in yeah. collusion with HMRC and every authority, we're not going to give Reading the green light to go and act normal again unless everything is clear. So. There's to blame on both sides in terms of Absolutely. the owner and the EFL. In yeah, my like eyes, anyway, how it looks like. It's totally irresponsible. Like, you, you know, the, the the players that want to come and play for us, fine, whatever, whatever they want to market up as. Yeah, you can you can do it whatever way. But 
as a business, like last season, so the, 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 the points deduction, we had six, 12 points deducted, but the six was suspended from the season before. And the business plan that we put through apparently was about us selling certain players for a certain amount of money to make that plan go through, which mm. is the most ridiculous thing. It's like me and you going down to the bookies and say, well, if I win a million quid on this horse, we're sorted, mate. Is that all right? And that's the <laughs> EFL agreed to that plan. Yeah. You know, you're selling a player for five million, a player for four million, a player for... Mm. We might think they're worth five million. I, think, I still think I'm worth 20 million as a footballer, but no one else does. So if they get injured or they get something happen yeah. to them, how is that? How is that as any business, regardless mm. of football? You go, that's 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 a good idea. Yeah, we'll agree to that because mm. also I think you know, like the witch hunt of the AFL towards certain clubs, Derby, Bury. We're the one on the next one. Birmingham have had it. There's been a few others. Mm. It's like we want to we want to nail them. We want to absolutely take them down as soon as we can. But the Premier League do what they want and they spend as much as they want and it's fine. You, you do it on an eight year contract because it ticks a box, you know, and it's not about them being rich or poor. It's about our clubs, about our heritage, about our future. Mm. And that's just wrong. It's sad. It really is. I mean, that's, you know. I mean another, I mean, another point I'm going to kind of make is kind of like the owner. It's almost like, I kind of liken it to like, if you get an unpaid bill sent through to you in the post and it's like, you've got, <laughs> 30 days to pay this bill and then you go okay don't pay it and then you do pay it and then they go like don't do it again like he goes and does it i mean like i remember 2019 you got a soft embargo you're not allowed to buy anyone you go and buy george pushkash yeah but then the owner went oh that's just carelessness that's not like the standing like you've been sanctioned to cover your traps like lay low for a while and he's just like you know splattering there's, you know, the, the the problem with something like that is he, you know, he's, he's in China. He like he doesn't speak English. He doesn't. He, he does come over to the club. It's not about being racist. He's he's not locally based. Um, it like where do you start? Like you know, Majeski John was, you know, it was prudent about what he did, how he did things. This owner's white. You know, like a lot of owners. Throw money at it because I want to get to the Premier League. I want to be the big mm. team in the big club. Like I said at the start, we were talking about you, you can't just throw money at a team and make a team work, can you? It doesn't work at any level of football. You have to build a team. You have to build a culture. You have to build a structure. You have to have the right manager. Do, 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 we could go on forever. But like you've seen the amount of rubbish signings we've had over the last few years. We've had... Guys that under Ron Gawley, who was the CEO for a while, who went to West Brom and destroyed them as well, giving guys like John Swift and Liam Moore 25 grand a week contracts for the last four years. Now, if anyone wants to see me for that, that's fine, but it's out there. But that was the case. It's nothing personal against those two players as people. Mm -hmm. But if somebody offered me 25 grand a week, I'll take it. But as a club in the championship, is that sustainable? No. But that's the problem you've got. And, you know... That's the mess we're in, and we deserve to be in the mess because of the the owners and the people that have done it. But it's not my fault. It's not all the other fans' fault. But we're the ones punished by the deductions and the worry about the future of our club. So something needs to change in that that thing. Do you know, it has to be done differently. Well, do you know what? Um... I'm not going to come on to Bristol Rovers. We're going to have to save that for another episode. Oh, thank sorry, God. sorry, 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 <laughs> sorry, sorry. No, no, no. Don't apologise, because listen, it's fascinating stuff. And obviously, Reading are relatively new to us in League One. I mean, we're football fans. We're, obviously, um, Matt's followed followed you a little bit 
closer than myself, but I know the issues that you've been through. So I'm, I'm hoping uh, that other listeners will find it really informative. And do you know what? I was on a similar podcast not six weeks ago um, with Barry from Wigan, and it was almost exactly the same sort of thing yeah. that was coming out. And it is heartbreaking. And I follow um, the South End story quite closely. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and they're another one. They've luckily been rubber stamped to play in the National League this season. I've got friends who were very supporters. And, you know, I look at, I I was I wasn't at our friendly last night, but um, some fans booed us off at half time last night, the friendly against Grimsby playing our young kids and saying that it, we are, and I'm, I'm sure Matt's the same, just so lucky yeah. with the governance of the club. And I don't want that yeah. to sound in poor taste when I'm saying No, that. I totally agree with you guys. That's, that's, that's what it is. And like it is, it's about, it's about the clubs. We're all fans of our own clubs and we want the future of our clubs to be done properly. We're not, we're not, none of us expect us to win the Premier League. It's not about winning stuff. It's about our community and our clubs being sustainable and about having a future that is normal. Yeah, we win, lose games, but football's not about that. It's never been. It's it's about existing, and and you know we're we're eighteen seventy one. We're one hundred and fifty years old. It's like the thought of us going out of business is heartbreaking. It really is for a lot of people, and it's scary because it could be there, and it's out yeah. of our hands. It's not because we didn't turn up for a game on Saturday, you know. But we'll have a Bristol Rovers chat about that six 0 defeat. You, you, yeah. yeah, I mean, I wasn't around for it, but we'll definitely uh, chat about Bristol Rovers at another time. But that's going to be at least an hour. That's going to be at least an hour. So uh, well, we, need, we need to forward. book it. I was looking forward to talking about Joey Barter because um, I'm a big fan of figures that you love to hate. We yes. had Matt Reed. Yeah. Everybody hated Matt Reed except Lincoln City fans. Joey Barton. Yeah. Everybody despises yeah. Joey Barton. Even some Bristol Rovers fans, as I understand yeah, it. Um, yeah. um, Steve Evans. You know, I don't think anybody likes Steve Evans at all. And yet here he is in another dugout in League One for another bloody season. The last Neil Warnock. Uh, no, do you know what? I quite like Warnock. Actually, oh, right. I, I like, like Neil Warnock. Yeah, <laughs> I like it's him. amazing how opinions differ, doesn't it? <laughs> It's only because yeah. we had him on our um, we had him in our Lincoln City podcast a couple of uh, a couple of months back. He came on and just did fifteen minutes. He was promoting something that didn't go ahead. And yeah, I think I think Neil Warnock is one of those characters that you just yeah, he plays to his character. Neil it's Warnock the person, and yeah, Neil Warnock the manager are different. Whereas Steve Evans is a knob. And I think, <laughs> uh, do you know what I mean? And, and again, who said sue me? Absolutely sue me. I've got no problem at all. He was Boston manager. He got him promoted using brown envelopes. He paid his dues. That, that, you know, he was a cheat back then. And his, his tactics now, he, he, you know, I'm not going there. Look, chaps, <laughs> could sit here and talk about League One all night. I've really enjoyed your company. Um, some great insight. And, and hopefully we'll make this a regular thing. But um, Johnny, Matt, thank you very much. Thank you so much, guys. Lovely well, to speak to you. Lovely. And uh, really FL podcast. So that was the League One. We're going to record another one in a couple of days time, looking ahead potentially at some of the teams that might be down the bottom. We've talked about some of the teams that might be at the top of the table. So keep an ear out for that. Certainly hoping Matt and Johnny will be regulars on the show going forward. I've been producer Gary uh, and all that's left to do is play out the theme tune.
90th minute and all your mates around watching your team on iFollow, you've got your McNugget share box on the go. And do you know what? Your mates already got booked for double dipping. But then late on, you steal in, grab the last nugget and snatch all three points. Perfect. Why not order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app? Are you in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.